ladies and gentlemen, to the very first, the inaugural, if you will, Field of 12 Best Bets Gambling Show presented by our sponsors over at BetRivers Sportsbook. My name is Rob Doster. I am joined today by the one and only Greg Waddell, the parlay king, if you will. Uh, Jimmy Ott, who is one of my uh, one of my favorite radio hosts and a guy that I love going on with down in Baton Rouge, is going to be part of the rotation with us this year. He could not make it today. Uh, he will be here next week. Every Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern time, we are going to be live breaking down that weekend's biggest games uh, today. There are only 11 games on the slate, so we have a limited show in terms of what we're going to be talking about for Saturday's, uh, Saturday's action. But my man here, Greg, has plenty of futures, national title futures, Heisman futures, conference futures, over-under futures, and we have the first edition of the Retirement Parlay, 11 legs, every single game that you're going to be seeing on Saturday. Greg is going to be rolling it out, and if it hits, uh, I think we're going to be retiring, fellas. So without further ado, let me introduce my co-host for the afternoon, the one and only Greg Waddell, the Parlay King. Sir, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Look, it's been a long six months of betting. God knows what. I mean, I think I'm more familiar with every single surface in tennis than I've ever been in my life. But we have football in two days. And if you're going to give me 11 football games, even if they're ugly football games, you're out of your damn mind. If we're not putting an 11 leg parlay together that I feel fantastic about Doster. So we're here. I couldn't be more excited about it. Let's rock. And to be very clear, when you say there are 11 ugly football games on Saturday, there are 11 ugly football games. But if there's one thing that I've learned in all of my years of degeneracy, it's that the ugliest games are the ones where there's plenty of value. So, Mr. Waddell, let's start. Uh, I want to go with this. I want to open up with the game that's going to be opening up in Dublin, Ireland, Nebraska, laying 13 points against Northwestern. The total there is 49 and a half. Uh, the projected score would then be 31.25 to 18.25. We're getting into quarter points here, Gregory. That's how in-depth we go. What do you like here? Where are you leaning? So this game is so Big Ten, it hurts, and it's beautiful that that's the very first game of the season. Everyone that I know from Big Ten country, though, is baffled that Nebraska is laying 13 points against anyone anywhere. I mean, we are talking about a program that in four years under Scott Frost, has never eclipsed, I believe, four wins in a season. I mean, they alternate three wins, four wins, three wins, four wins. And there's a date that matters to me with Nebraska football right now. It's October 1st. That's the day that Scott Frost buyout drops to $7.5 million. I think everyone involved in Nebraska football is very aware of that date. But quite frankly, I don't really view Scott Frost as a guy who can do anything about that. I think he's a bad football coach who has not been able to take talented players and turn that into wins in the Big Ten. On the other side, we have a coach I trust. That's Pat Fitzgerald. He's had five losing seasons in his long tenured career at Northwestern. He's bounced back with a winning season four of those five previous times, multiple times winning 10 games in those seasons. I think that Northwestern actually has some stuff here. They weren't very good. They got smacked by Nebraska, but 13 points is such a juicy number for a program that I respect against a program I don't respect. This is actually my lock of the week, Rob. Northwestern plus 13, lock it in and feel great about it. <laughs> in case you missed that, that was a program I don't respect that Greg Waddell just dropped right there. I, I want to add one thing to that. Um, this game is going to be played in Ireland, right? Both of these teams are in central time zone. That is seven hours 
away. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of uh, a lot of jet lag, if you will. And early conference games and early season games always end up being ugly because teams are not quite clicking. So I do like the under here uh, as well. It's like it's like college hoops, man. The neutral site games. Hammer that under when there's no crowd in there. There's no juice in the building. I can't well, imagine the- we're going to have a packed house in Dublin for Nebraska and Northwestern football. Like, if we're really trying to get this sport to go worldwide, why are we sending them Nebraska and Northwestern? Come on, what are, what are we doing to the Irish here? It's not fair. Yeah, that's it's harsh. It's I fair. mean, the, it's not the, right. good, the good folks of Dublin hopefully will be drunk enough that it looks like USC Alabama by the second quarter. But I look, we can make jokes about how bad of a game this is, and it is true, but I also don't want to completely disrespect this. Like, we have a field of 12 All-American on the offensive line for Northwestern. It's not like they don't have a couple of dudes. Halinski, the former South Carolina quarterback, I think he started to find his rhythm last year. Like, they do return nine guys from offense I think Nebraska's hope like they're in the top five in the Big Ten on odds to win that conference I know we're going to get into that later but like everyone's just hoping that new faces everywhere means something and if Scott Frost is the catalyst like can we really take that seriously yeah I I will say this too Um, I have sources on the ground in Dublin and if anybody is spotted in Temple Bar at any point on Friday night tomorrow night Uh, I I can guarantee that they are not going to be up and ready for this game at 1230 Eastern time. All right, let's move on. Wyoming at Illinois. Illinois is laying 11 points, according to our good friends over at Bet River Sportsbook. The total there, 43.5, which means that the implied score is 26 and three quarters to 15 and three quarters. That's how in-depth we go here. Greg, what do you like in this spot? So I have two leans here. Nothing that I feel fantastic and I'm rushing to bet rivers to place a bet with. But uh, if you force my hand here, I lean the over Wyoming five of their last six games last year went over. I don't think 44 is a lot of points. I think both teams could easily get into the twenties against defenses that don't have a ton to write home about. Uh, the, The difference for me here is that Wyoming just got absolutely decimated in the transfer portal. They lost both their quarterbacks. They lost their running back, Valade, who I'm well familiar with from late night West Coast bets last year to Arizona State. Illinois, on the other hand, is bringing in more faces rather than losing them. Tommy DeVito, the Syracuse transfer, actually had a fantastic year a few years back in 2019. I'm optimistic he could do some things in the Big Ten. I do think there will be some juice. This is a true home game for Illinois, so I think that stadium will be buzzing against a bunch of new faces who are kind of looking around on the Wyoming sideline like, okay, here we go. I don't know. If I'm forced, Illinois minus 11 is the play. I like the over slightly better, over 44. So I would lean towards Wyoming just because I want to be able to root for uh, tears from our new producer, Trevor, who is an uh, Illinois alum, who is a big Illinois fan. So that's the only reason I would lead Wyoming. I don't know if that's great betting advice. I don't know if that's sound betting advice, uh, but that's that's kind of what I'm going to do personally. All right. Uh, we're heading out to the islands. Vanderbilt laying eight points at Hawaii. The total there is 53. What do you like? So another one where it's hard to like much on either side here, but. Look, everyone wants to bet Hawaii. Like if you're a true college football fan, the first Hawaii game of the year is like a special moment for you. And it definitely is for me. It's even more special this season though, Rob. Timmy Chang is Hawaii's new head coach. Like there's going to be some buzz in the islands on Saturday night. And they're playing a Vanderbilt team that has one SEC win in three seasons. Look, they're two and 19 in that time they lost to East Tennessee state last year. 
Like, this is not some team that just because they're an SEC team, you waltz across the country, across the ocean, and feel confident laying more than a touchdown. And I say this more with football than anything else that I bet. Betting football is a numbers game. Key numbers are critical. And if you can get a line above seven, upwards into seven and a half, eight territory, which is where it lands right now at Bet Rivers, I mean, that's a full touchdown. Give me Hawaii. Give me the home team against another program that really has a lot of problems on their hands. And once again, fun with time zones. Uh, Vanderbilt is flying from Nashville, which is central time zone, all the way out to the islands. That is a five-hour time difference. Uh, So I will be on uh, Hawaii in that spot as well. I like that. I like your analysis, Greg. Good. We're uh, we're two and one on the same side here together. All right. UConn at Utah State. Utah State is laying 27 points against UConn. 27 points. The total there is 59 and a half, which means the implied score is 43 and change to 16 and change. And man, Greg, give me something. You got to okay. give me something here. Can Adama Sanogo suit up? Because that could make a big difference here, if he we're being be, honest. He would be the best left tackle in the history of the UConn football program. That That is a fact, a certified so, fact. So I'm actually going to go with your boys here, Rob. It's UConn, Whoa, it's UConn plus 27 right. for me. And I'm, I might be delusional. I might have talked myself into this. But, you know, I, I expect some steps forward for this football program. And if they... Don't take a step forward. I mean, they're as low as they can possibly go, right? They can't go backwards, so it would just be stagnating. But they bring in Jim Mora Jr., who was UCLA's coach a few years back. He pulled players from the portal from Penn State, from Alabama, from Michigan, from Kentucky. And this is a UConn team that if you did pay any attention to them whatsoever, which no one did except for us degenerates here, They made strides over the course of last season. They got blown out their first few games by 40 plus points. And by the end of the year, they were losing games by, you know, two to three touchdowns against Houston, against Wyoming, against Vanderbilt teams that at least have a pulse. So to me, they're playing Utah State, who's coming off a banner year. And Utah State was really, really good last season. They lose a lot. They lose three of their top wide receivers. Logan Bonner, the quarterback's back, but they're missing a lot of the key guys he relied on. And most importantly here, Rob, Utah State's defense gives up points. The way they want to play football is shootouts. They want to win 50 to 20. They don't care about shutting out bad teams. All that UConn has to do here is score twice in a football game to cover 27 points. And with their new quarterback, Taquan Robinson, a Penn State transfer who's a dual threat guy, I think that's easier, easily done. I'm taking the Huskies plus 27. Yeah, the, I think the most important thing that you mentioned right there is that if you lose this game by three touchdowns, you know what happens? You cover. You cover. <laughs> you cover. <laughs> it's a game about numbers, right? It's a game about covering, Gregory. So I like UConn there as well. And there, there's no homer bias there. Absolutely not. Um <laughs> You got anything else? Any other leans for the games on on Saturday? You know, it would be dangerous to my family if I did, Rob. So I've locked in on those four for my wife's sake, not for my own. All right. So we're going to get to the retirement parlay here uh, in a couple of minutes. I do want to talk about futures with you because I think there is some interesting value here. Let's talk about national titles first. Alabama right now, Bet Rivers is plus 125. Ohio State is plus 250. Georgia is plus 450. Clemson is plus 1,000. Texas A&M plus 2,000. And USC, 
I'll get to in a second is plus 2000 as well. I think there's a little bit of interesting value there. Let me start you off with this is the three favorites, Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia. Is there anyone there that you, you would fade, right? Do you see any value there? I think George, I'm staying away from Georgia. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I, I would say this. I don't feel great using the terminology of fade for any of those three, because I do think that's like the clear tier one of potential national title contenders this season. Uh, if I have to pick one, I'm definitely leaning Alabama. And look, it's Nick Saban. It's the tide. Like, I think this is almost as weirdly as it sounds, a buy low opportunity for this program after the way the national championship game wrapped up last season. I firmly expect this to be the best football team in the country. I have no reason to think it's not. They've got the Heisman quarterback back. We're going to talk Heisman bets in just a little bit. But I, I mean, there's been times where you can find value jumping back in on the Alabama bandwagon after they haven't raised the trophy at the end of the season. I think this year is one of those years. I definitely believe that Ohio state and Georgia are contenders, so I'm not fading them, but I'm picking Alabama out of that group at plus money and feeling great about it. Yeah. I just, I think Georgia is a little bit mispriced. I feel like that's a little bit too uh, cheap for what I would want based off of what they lost. Um, Nicobe Dean, you know, George Whitfield has talked about it on our shows over and over again. Smartest guy he, he saw in, uh, in, in football last year on the defensive side of the ball. And that's a big red flag for me. Um, I like USC. At Ooh. 20, at 20 to one odds. You're getting Caleb Williams with Lincoln Riley. Am I, am I crazy? Am I crazy? Jordan Addison said, am I crazy? To like I, USC. I don't think you're crazy. You're you're not crazy. And look, I, I listened to our Pac-12 experts go go preview the whole conference a couple nights ago, and they asked this exact question. Like, is it nuts to say that we expect USC to make the college football playoff? And look, talent-wise, I don't think it is, especially with Caleb Williams at quarterback and the, the addition of Jordan Addison. Like, that's going to be, if not the most dynamic one-two punch in the air. It's second to CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith, the Jigba. So look, I think they should win the Pac-12. I just have a hard time putting my stamp on that, that they will, because we've seen teams with talent at USC not do that in the last few years. Certainly there's a new staff, there's new players that should make you feel optimistic, but uh, I I won't reveal who I like to come out of that conference, but I, I think I am fading USC more than I would be buying their stock. All right, fair enough. I just think with the the talent that's on that roster and the explosiveness, and the fact that you already have a, a quarterback and the the head coach relationship that's baked in from, um, you know, a couple of years of experience there. So I, I do think that there's value there. And again, uh, I think that the concerns that you just mentioned are baked into the price. You're getting twenty to one odds, and I think that if you're looking for someone that you can root for and attach your uh, attach your flag to. Um, and get a you know a pretty good return on investment if it hits uh, USC to me twenty to one is is kind of a long shot. Any long shot national title ch- uh, futures that you're interested in? Anything there? Or is it just something where it's you know you got to pick Alabama or Ohio State or Georgia and kind of ride with them? What's going on, guys? Rob Doster here, the founder of the Field of sixty eight and the Field of twelve Media Networks. I wanted to take a quick minute to let you guys know about an exciting new project that we have been working on for the last three months. The Almanac, an all-encompassing preview of the 2022-23 college basketball season. We spoke with every single Division I head coach to give you a robust and accurate preview for all 363 Division I college basketball teams. We have predictions for conference finishes for all 32 leagues. We have features on the best freshmen 
the best big men, the breakout stars, the coaches on the hot seat, so much more. It is 600,000 words of sheer happiness for the college basketball fan in your life. The Almanac is going to be available for digital purchase on September 26th for just $19.99. But you can pre-order it today using the promo code HOOPS and save 20%. Just hit the link in the description below. Yeah, so I, I think my philosophy with betting futures for national champs, specifically in college football, is that it's a, a losing investment more often than not to look for long shots. You can go back the last decade plus. It's the same programs who win this thing repeatedly. And if it's not them, it's Georgia. It's an SEC program who, who rises up and sort of builds up after four or five years of leading up to a great season. Um, I do think that if I had to put a number on this, I, there's a team that is undervalued to me in a big way. That's Oklahoma State. It's 66 to one. Uh, look, they are way behind Oklahoma and Texas in the values in the Big 12 Conference. They returned Spencer Sanders. This is a team who won 12 games last season. I, like to me, this is a program that is on the tipping point of what we just talked about with the Georgia building up to a great season. Like, I think this is the time. I don't think last season was the great season. I think it could be this year. Um, but to me, the value, if you wanted to play that would be in big 12 betting yeah. that to win that. Conference well, that's that's as actually opposed to winning it all. Yeah. That's actually a perfect segue into getting some of the conference features. Cause you do have quite a bit here that you like. Um, yeah. If you, it, it's, it's great to beat the market, right? If you're getting someone at 66 to one, if they really should be like 40 to one or something like that, but it's still a losing bet if they don't end up winning that national title and going out to win. So, so if the market is undervaluing a team, a place where you can kind of realize some of that value instead of just, you know, getting, getting value on a bet that you make that ends up losing is going into those conference only markets. So right now, Oklahoma state is plus five fifty. You also like Baylor at plus 500. Talk me through that. It's the same exact strategy. I mean, I, I like getting two shots at this, to be honest with you. The strategy is you're selling Oklahoma and Texas. And right now, Bet Rivers lists Oklahoma at two to one. They list Texas at plus 250. Uh, I think, you know, year in, year out, you would find those teams valued right about there. And year in, year out, at least the last few seasons with Texas, that has never been the case. Oklahoma, definitely, but... I mean, with Oklahoma's program transition they're going through right now, it's hard for me to point at them and feel confident that they're just going to be head and shoulders above the second tier in this conference, which to me is Baylor and Oklahoma State. These two teams did play each other in the Big 12 championship last game. They had a goal line stand that would have sent one of the teams to the playoff. I mean, they're close. And I don't think they should be a whole tier in terms of value behind that top tier of Oklahoma and Texas. So to me, I'm going to sprinkle both. Uh, I do lean Oklahoma State as the better value because they won plus 550 instead of plus 500. And two, Spencer Sanders to me is a killer, a quarterback, is a dual threat guy who can make plays on the move, keep plays alive. So I really like that. But anytime you get five to one with Dave Aranda, who is one of my favorite coaches in the country, uh, I would not be shocked at all if one of those two teams run away with the Big 12. Fair enough. All right, let's talk a little bit about that team out in the Pac-12 that you just referenced. You like Utah plus 240 to win the Pac-12 over USC. Is it just a value play? Do you like them more? What's your what's your take there? It's a mix of both. I do think it's a value play. Uh, look, with Utah football, they had a great season last year, and they end up in a shootout in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State, where they had, a, I believe, a three-touchdown lead early in that game. 
And for the first time all season, their defense couldn't stop the other team. And I don't think there are many teams in the country that could stop that Ohio State offense. So I don't necessarily blame them for that. Utah football to me, great lines, great defense, great running game. They've got their quarterback, Cam Rising, back. They've got two tight ends, I believe, who were on the, the field of 12 tight end watch list this season. And they get USC at home. I mean, if you think USC is the favorite in this conference, I would point at a team who actually won the conference last year, returns a ton of key pieces, will have the best running game in this conference, and I think can win the trenches against a team that has the talent at the skill positions the way that USC does. You know why they'll win the trenches, Greg? Why is that? The biker gang. The biker gang, baby. The biker (laughs) gang. Uh, Yeah, it's look, I think the winner of that game has a massive leg up to win this conference and Utah sitting there at plus 240 jumps out to me as the best value. So you also have Alabama minus 190. I try to stay away from futures that are are minus value just because uh I'm 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 an idiot and I like to see those big numbers on what you could end up winning. Uh you also have NC State at plus 700 to win the ACC, Florida uh Fresno State, I'm sorry, at plus 250 to win the Mountain West and Florida to win the SEC East at plus 1,400. All those are interesting. I want to talk about the Big Ten specifically, though. Michigan plus 825 to win the Big Ten, and you like Iowa at plus 500 to win the Big Ten West. I want to get into Iowa first because it feels like that Iowa fans are not happy with us. They were not (laughs) happy with where uh, we had them ranked on our, our Big Ten preview show with Jake Butt and Josh Perry and Christian Hackenberg. Uh, I believe that both those guys had them uh, in the 8-9 range. They're not happy with us because we said Keegan Murray may not end up being the next LeBron James. Uh, Iowa fans are just not happy with the entire network, field of 12, field of 68, <laughs> whatever. So are you simply pandering to try to get back in the good graces with the great state of Iowa, or do you really like Spencer Peaches? Was it just because of the fact that you got an interview with him? Well, I was going to say, no, that thick is better. <laughs> I'm, I'm not pandering, but you know this, Rob, I'm easily bought. And I got to sit down with Spencer Petrus, Iowa's quarterback. OK, he won me over within minutes. He did answer my question about what it's like to be referred to by NFL draft scouts as, quote unquote, almost too thick. It was a very entertaining interview, clearly. Uh, but no, here's the truth of this. Right. And I. I'm not going to come on screen and try to convince anyone that my football analysis should be listened to over Jake Butt and Joshua Perry and Christian Hackenberg. Those guys are Big Ten geniuses who have done it on the field, who are the best in the industry at analyzing football. When they tell me that they believe a certain team is going to be good and maybe a certain team is going to have a step back, I'm listening to them and I wholeheartedly believe them. However, I do worry that maybe they're doing a trap that I fall into quite a bit in college basketball, where I actually do know quite a lot about that sport, believe it or not. And every year I talk myself into teams being, you know, a a darling underdog type team that's going to take a massive leap forward. I think last year I said St. Bonaventure would go undefeated for the entire season, right? To me, those those guys, you actually said that. Yeah, no, I did, Rob. We don't need to revisit this. Let me finish my spiel. Thank you. So these these guys predictions that Iowa is going to finish fourth or fifth in that division are based on their belief that a team like Purdue or a team like Minnesota is going to make this huge jump when I, I would push back on that element. I wouldn't push back necessarily that Iowa might not be as good as normal, but in the standings, is that going to reflect because PJ Fleck takes a team to 10 wins? I'm selling that aspect of this. So to me, 
that division is a crapshoot. It is every single year. There are two teams that constantly find themselves atop that division. It's Wisconsin and it's Iowa. And it's because of the infrastructures that those programs have built and how they win without flash, but just substance. And I don't think there is a lot that separates Wisconsin and Iowa this year. So for them to be, I mean, what did you say the number was? It was plus, plus 400 or above just to win plus that 500. division? Plus 500 to win that division seems juicy to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I was very much swayed by listening to uh, to Hack rave about the Minnesota defense and listening to JP talk about how good the quarterback play was at Purdue. Um, I'm very, very easily swayed. Uh, so that's that's one reason why I saw Iowa here. And my eyes kind of popped um, real quick. You got about a minute and a half to uh, to to rant away and to speak about your Michigan Wolverines at plus eight twenty five. How 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 in that so then, in that in, in, in the Big Ten you have Michigan. How how so then, how why? I, I really don't believe this is very homery at all. In fact, uh, we, we can get into my fandoms deeply in another place, but I am a Michigan State football fan. I'm not a Michigan football fan. I think plus 825 is insanity as far as value goes for the team that just won this conference and for the team that won it by, what, four touchdowns in the Big Ten championship game and beat Ohio State pretty comfortably last season. Now, look, Ohio State, no doubt, is a better football team. That's still true. But I think people are underestimating how massive the mental change is going to be for this program actually getting the monkey off their back with Ohio State. I think that team's going to approach that game entirely different. And Jake Butt talked about that. And it was a really fascinating thing to hear from a former Wolverines perspective. But on top of that, Michigan's got the easiest non-conference schedule in the country. I'm not saying that helps them win the conference because they literally don't matter those games. But if they go 4-0 and by blowout win after blowout win and have five weeks to prepare for their first big game, which is at Iowa in Kinnick Stadium, like I fully expect them to, to win that game. I fully expect them to kind of float through the regular season schedule. They've got Michigan State at home, Penn State at home, and then it all comes down to winning one game. And on the flip side with Ohio State, in their division, they're at Michigan State. They're at Penn State. On the cross division, they have to play Wisconsin and Iowa. This is an Ohio State program that usually drops one game they shouldn't, even if they beat Michigan in the regular season. And this year, they've really got four very tough ones in that second tier. It's going to come down to Michigan or Ohio State, but I like the mental edge that Michigan could potentially have this season, and I think they have a way easier schedule. Yeah, you heard it here first, guys. Uh, Ohio State is soft. <laughs> Not mentally strong. Um, all right, real quick, we have five over-unders here that you like and that you listed. I, we don't have to spend too much time on it. Um, you have Baylor over seven and a half. Uh, if you go back and listen to the Baylor section, you could probably figure out why Greg likes that line. Uh, you have Michigan State over seven and a half wins at minus 139. Clemson under 10 and a half, minus 125, which is a little bit interesting. Virginia over six and a half wins. At minus 169. The one I do want to ask you, though, um, Alabama under 11 and a half wins, minus 139. If you like Alabama to win the national title, that's regular season wins, by the way. Not, mm-hmm. That doesn't include stuff in the playoffs or the uh, the, the SEC title game. Um, if you like Alabama to win the SEC at minus 190 and you like Alabama to win the national title at plus 125, why are we now saying under 11 and a half wins at minus 139? Because I don't believe they have to go undefeated at all in order to be on the path to win the national championship. In fact, that multiple times in the last decade, they've won the title while losing a regular season game. Uh, look, this is a little bit of a heartstring play, but I also think it's a smart play. And it is you're laying a little juice at minus 139. Uh, but if you're not an Alabama football fan, which 
I am not. And 90% of college football fans, if not much more than that, are not Alabama football fans. There is no more fun bet season long than just needing one Alabama loss to cash your ticket. I mean, you get 12 weeks of checking in to see if they're up seven touchdowns against some small school or to see if they're in a dogfight the final week of the season against Auburn. And look, more often than not, it cashes. More often than not, this program doesn't go undefeated. Their schedule this year is a gauntlet. They've got Auburn and Texas A&M at home that I see as losable games, but they go on the road to Texas, Tennessee, LSU, and Ole Miss All games that could get dicey potentially become shootouts if teams can keep up on the scoring column. I think they only got to lose one. I think they will lose one, but then I think they will harness that into some postseason motivation and be right on the track in the college football playoff. And it is a nice way to hedge. If you're betting on uh, Alabama to win the SEC, um, you can also have them win the SEC and still hit that under 11 and a half bet. So you can win both of them and it does kind of mitigate a little bit of the risk um, as well. All right. Heisman futures. Let's get into this. CJ Stroud plus 175. Bryce Young plus 350. The reigning Heisman uh, trophy winner. Caleb Williams plus 750. I think that is the consensus top three. Um, and you have some other guys uh, after that that we'll get into in a second. But I want to start with those three, right? Why CJ Stroud? Uh, I'm sorry. Bryce Young won it last year. CJ Stroud coming back. He's a, a more of a favorite. Why is that? And do you see any value on Bryce Young here in this spot? I see a ton of value on Bryce Young in this spot. Now, I I think there is some projection specific to Bryce Young winning this trophy of having a quote-unquote Heisman hangover. We've seen a lot of guys win this award that are underclassmen, that come back, and it's a narrative-driven award. It's an award that they want to give that award to someone new. They don't want to give that award to the same player three, four years in a row. Now, the thing for me with Bryce Young is there is no hangover when you play at Alabama and you're the starting quarterback and you just lost in the national championship. Like if anything else, I expect Bryce Young to come out as an absolute killer from the moment this season kicks off. I think that there's not a lot separating this group, to be honest with you. And we've heard all our quarterback experts talk about that all off season. But um, to me, Caleb Williams is the most, the most risk oriented one here you just don't know what he's going to look like in that system he could look great he might not and there's a lot of new faces over there Bryce Young and CJ Stroud to me are by far 1A and 1B as far as winning this award I'd like CJ Stroud if his number was closer to where Bryce Young's is at I actually think that's not enough value at plus 175 um and I like a long shot. If you want to go the Ohio State route, like if you think that team's going to run away with this undefeated season type thing. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a second. I, okay. Before you do, I want to make one point real quick on Caleb Williams. Um, I thought it was really interesting. So Yogi Roth on our, our we have, we've had him on a couple of preview shows. And one point that he made is he, he's a Heisman voter. And what he's found watching this is that so much of it involves the narrative and the storylines and the hype and the Heisman moments. And it's not necessarily the best player or the guy that impacts winning. It's the guy that captures America's heart more or less, right? It's the guy that has these moments where um, he explodes onto the scene. He has the 85 yard touchdown run at the end. He's got, you know, game winning moments. Um, All of this. There's a reason why they call it like the Heisman moment, right? There's a reason why that term exists. Caleb Williams plays in a conference where nobody could watch those games on TV. Even the people in his own state, even his own, fans right 
he plays games that are going to be on at 10 o'clock on Saturday nights. When most of the East Coast, most of the East Coast is out at a bar watching without sound on probably four, five, six, eight, nine, 12 drinks deep at that point, right? And I think that that is that's something that's relevant to think about. Now, I think that he could has he very much has a season in him where he could end up being the best of those three quarterbacks. I don't know if, if anyone else in the country has as much game-breaking ability as that dude does, right? But I do think that's something that you need to consider, which is why I'm sitting here touting USC chance to win the national title, and I'm not going to go out and say if that happens, Caleb Williams, Heisman. I think you're much more likely to see them win the title than it is to have him um, be able to outplay a guy like a CJ Stroud with all of the weapons who you're going to, but you're about to talk about them or someone like a Bryce young who just won it last year. I, I thought that that was that insight from Yogi. And I think that's something that's important to, to, to note here in this conversation. The other thing I'd want to say with CJ Stroud also going back there in this tier of three would just be like, you really have to believe that CJ Stroud is a different type of athlete and a different type of potential quarterback stat producer, whatever you want to call it than all the other great Ohio State college quarterbacks we've seen. And I think he is as far as projecting to the pros, but how many great Ohio State quarterbacks have been the most prolific guy at that position in the country in the last two decades and haven't won the Heisman? I mean, you can name them. So I don't know that there's necessarily something about that program with that spot, with that award, where it, it, it just prevents that player from being seen as the runaway narrative guy. Um, But to me, there's a narrative that's ready-made for Bryce Young. And that's, you know, redemption season. If Alabama really is to run the table, I mean, I think it's his award to lose again, even over C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams. Yeah. All right. So the other issue that C.J. Stroud could have is that the uh, the vote could be split. He's got a great running back that's also on the list of uh, of guys at the top that could end up winning the, the Heisman Trophy or Trevion Henderson and uh, wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba, who uh, at 30 to one odds. I mean, he's the best receiver in the country, isn't he? Well, people tell me he's the best player in the country, and that's why I jotted his name down. If you're looking for a long shot here, uh, look, if you're going to believe that offense is that prolific, which we have all reason to believe that it will be, and they're going to put up insane numbers or 40, 50 points sometimes in games, then Jackson Smith Najigba is going to get two, three touchdown games frequently. And like you said, that's going to work in, in fighting with his quarterback is potentially winning this award, but if he puts up a 15, 20 touchdown season, which I don't think is out of the question for this guy, 30 to one is worth a sprinkle for the guy who, again, all our experts on the field of 12 that do these shows tell us he is probably the most talented football player in the country. Yeah. I also like Bijan Robinson at, at 20 to one. Man, I think he's probably the most talented running back in college football. I think that if Texas, you know, he's had a massive brand. If he's the guy where they put everything on his shoulders and he carries Texas back to being what Texas football, all those fans want it to be, uh, I think that it's something that would be worth looking at. The, the issue is, you know, he's got a guy that is supposed to be a freshman in high school that's coming with all the hype, or I'm sorry, a freshman in college that comes in with all the hype. Quinn Ewers, uh, the quarterback spot, I, I just, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, we hear some of our experts tell us how Quinn Ewers is going to do really well there. And some of other ones are like, nah, you know what? He's going to be a bust. I don't like it the, the way that he's wired. I don't think it's a good fit. So um, that's probably baked into the price there. But I do think that Bijan Robinson at 20 to one, there's a little bit of value on that. All right. We have two plays for you this weekend. Uh, I, you know, I want to start with the teaser first. I know you got a five team teaser that you like. We're going to do this every week, right? Uh, Gray's, the parlay king is going to come out with his teaser of the week and our retirement parlay. So why don't you start with the teaser of the week and what you like? 
And for, yes. for people that don't know, like one thing when, when you're teasing games, one, never tease through zero, never go from like laying three points to getting three points, right? You mentioned numbers, right? You want to try to get through two key numbers. You want to try to get through three and seven or seven and 10 or, th- or, or six and seven and 10, things like that. You want to get through two key numbers, 10 and 14. That's really important when it comes to, uh, to the amount of return that you will get on, on these teasers hitting. So why don't you walk me through real quick the, uh, the five-team teaser that you have? Yeah, so I've got a five-legger, and it's just over six-to-one odds. It's juicing up a lot of these numbers with the plus points this week, and then it's one essentially money line favorite that I lean heavily towards. So I'll run through the five legs. Northwestern teased up to 19 points from 13, getting over that key 14 number. You get through 14 and 17. That's UConn that's up to plus 33.5 from 27.5, so now lose by less than four touchdowns. Feel good. Wyoming plus 17 as opposed to plus 11. North Texas plus five as opposed to minus one. I do think North Texas, there's quite a bit of value in money line on that game. And then Hawaii plus 14 and a half at the key number of two touchdowns plus 605 at Bet Rivers for that five leg teaser. It's not bad. I like it. All right, let's get into your retirement parlay today. It's going to be an 11 team parlay. Every single game, every single game. And I mean, it's going to hit this week, right, Greg? We're going to go oh, one it's, it, it's going to hit every week. Look, Rob, what the people at home might not know is that there are some people who bet recreationally, and then there are some people who bet because this is what they do. Okay. I'm sitting right now in a Jared Zabransky Boise state Jersey. I was wearing this Jersey in my living room last year when I hit a six leg parlay to win $37,000 on a $100 bet. Okay, we're hunting that every single week this season, and you can hunt along with us at Bet Rivers. This is 11 legs. I'm going to fly through it, Rob. We're going to fly through. We have no time for analysis. We are going. This is a mix of money lines and lines, alternate spreads, things that I like. It's a mix of everything that I feel confident is going to hit this weekend. UConn, plus 35 and a half. Western Kentucky, minus 27 against Austin P. Northwestern money line to beat Nebraska. UNLV money line against Idaho State, Illinois money line against Wyoming, Florida Atlantic money line against Charlotte, North Carolina minus 34 and a half against Florida A&M, North Texas money line against UTEP, Nevada money line against New Mexico State, Hawaii money line against Vanderbilt, and Duquesne plus 40 points at Florida State. Rob, it is $100 to win $61,530.74. And 74 cents. You cannot forget that 74 cents. All right. You guys heard it here first. That is the retirement parlay. This was the inaugural episode of the Field of 12 Best Bets show. Uh, for Greg Waddell, my name is Rob Doster. We will see you guys again next Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time.